Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rock. Statement from Christian Smith and Robert Pape to the listeners of the Truth and Justice podcast. Now that this season of Truth and Justice is winding down, we'd like to take the time to thank everyone who has been an active listener of Bob's podcast. While deciding what to say and how exactly to phrase it, we first thought what we wanted to do was thank everyone who supported us no matter what. Because everyone appreciates those who, in spite of whatever incredibly terrible things may be said, has their back regardless. These allies who have accepted our innocence from day one, stuck with us through thick and thin, and without whom this tribulation would have been insurmountable, they undoubtedly have our gratitude. However, the greater purpose of this letter is to recognize the listeners who came into this with an open mind, those who were willing to analyze the information in an objective manner in order to make informed decisions free from bias or prejudice. Everyone likes unconditional support, but what we need are opinions that represent the end of a long path that was meticulously paved with often what some might consider mind-numbingly boring details. The bias born of loyalty to us, or disdain for the justice system that too frequently lets us down, only serves to create a different sort of problem, one which undermines the purpose of Bob's work. For the dedicated who have critically listened to or participated in this season of Truth and Justice, which has chronicled our case, you champion the principles of fairness that were envisioned when our adversarial justice system was established. The fact that so many of you were able to see past the polarization of the politics, the sensationalization of the media, and the rhetoric of the prosecution to the heart of the issue provides us the specter of hope that this grave miscarriage of justice can be corrected. The hope you have given our families cannot be measured. Your contributions cannot be overstated, and we cannot possibly thank you enough for what you have done. But we'll try anyway. Thank you. Thank you immensely and from the bottom of our hearts. Signed, Christian Smith and Robert Pate. 
Because of the status of Robert and Christian's legal cases, unfortunately, we weren't able to hear from them directly, other than in the form of the statement that I just read to you. And that, of course, left me with a big question mark. How do I end a season that I'm so invested in? I've been living this case day in and day out for a year and a half, and many of you have been doing the same. We haven't found the answers that we're looking for yet, and it seems like quitting to end the season now. But for those of you who have been with me through the years, you know that this is far from quitting. This week marks the end of a podcast season, but by no means does it mark the end of our commitment to find justice in this case. It doesn't end our fight, not by a long shot. Those of you who haven't just been passively listening, but actively engaged in the investigation, I know that this isn't over for you either. We will continue to investigate this case behind the scenes until we find answers. But ultimately, the season of the podcast has to come to an end. For now. And the best way that I could think of to conclude the season 12 production is to hear from one of the people who have been directly impacted by the work that you all have done. It is my honor to introduce you all to Robert Pape's sister, Christy Pape Somerville. This is Season 12, Episode 65, You'll Never Be Alone Again. So we're going to start this process today, kind of um, having you kind of walk through some things that'll be kind of some fun memories to think about, and then probably some not so fun things to think about. So um, I know this is this is a challenge for anybody anybody to do. So just try to be as comfortable as you can. And the first thing I want to know is is we we unfortunately never got to hear from Robert during the during the season. Um, and of course, you know, as part of in the family members that there's you know. There are so many lawyers that are all talking to each other about who can do what. And then we were dealing with the prison to allow us to record phone calls. And then there's like all this going on. We never got to hear Robert. I've spoken with Robert and I've gotten letters from Robert. So I've got a little bit of a taste of who Robert is and his personality. Um, but it is you is his big sister that, that, of course, has grown up with him. How would you describe Robert to our listeners? Like, what would you want our listeners to take away with kind of who Robert is as a person? Robert is awesome. Uh, I wish you all could. Well, and I know, Bob, you will at some point meet Robert Mm -hmm. in person, which will be great. But um, for everyone out there who isn't going to have that opportunity, um, Robert is just a wonderful person. I know that's what you expect anybody to come on here and say. Um, But he really is incredibly smart. He's just very personable. Um, He gets along with people. He is he's a nice guy. He is willing to help if you need it. You know, whatever whatever's going on, he'll jump in and help. He's just a good person. He's also a dork. He's, he's an uber nerd. Um, <laughs> he, Christian, like they play D&D. You know, you think of these guys are in prison and, um, you know, what does that entail? You know, so many people don't have a reference for prison. Then for those of you who do, you know, prison is an interesting, interesting world. Um our guys are doing self-help groups, Robert and Christian, self-help groups. Um, they've got a workout group. They uh, Christian is incredibly, uh, well, he's a badass, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Army Ranger, you know, the two Purple Hearts, Medal of Valor, all that. 
needless to say, he leads a very, very uh, awesome workout group that any of the guys can join. Um, but besides that, they play D&D, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, for those of you who don't know, a role-playing fantasy game. <laughs> it's a board game. <laughs> I mean, you know, they would be playing video games if they could, but they're a little limited at the moment. Um, they play D&D and they knit. They knit blankets. This is what these guys are doing in prison. They're knitting knitting blankets. They are knitting blankets, baby blankets, full-size blankets. You want a scarf? You want a beanie? They got you. Um, so these guys that you're out there supporting everybody, um, they play D&D, they work out, and they knit blankets. I, they are... I, I feel like that's an interesting way to sum them up only because I think that's probably not what people are expecting. Um, but that that's who they are. Um, they've been video game nerds since they were little kids. That's what they used to do. I mean, that's what they were doing the night of the Pinion Pines murders. Um, paintball and video games. So is it is it rude of me to ask how much older you are than Robert? No, five and a half years. You're five and a half I'm years. I'm 40. Mm-hmm. Okay. So were you were you around him much like during high school? Yeah. During his high so- school. Um, yes, actually, um, during his senior year, we were taking classes together at the local community college. Um, so he would leave halfway through his senior year and we'd go over to the community college, College of the Desert, and take um, take classes together. Uh, so I didn't live in town for his entire high school um, career. I was I lived up in San Luis Obispo for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, But yeah, no, I was very involved with him growing up from a little kid on you know i'm five and a half years older than him he was my baby brother and i would i liked to take care of him to whatever extent i could uh you know when i was little it was just holding him and putting him to sleep you know that kind of thing but um when he was in middle school i had to fix his hair because he couldn't spike it on his own um and it spiked Uh spiked hair was very in and but he he couldn't quite handle it so every morning i would fix his hair for him like that you know we are close we've always been close growing up um we were close when he was in high school uh we still are close we've always been close how often do you get to go see him up the prison so generally i go once a month when the boys were in county jail they were closer you know it was anything within riverside county um sometimes that was two hours away sometimes it was only an hour away Mm -hmm. um actually take that back blythe was four hours away and technically that was still riverside county as well so mm-hmm. when he was in county jail um we would visit every single week he got two visits a week and we always filled them between me my mom and robert's wife b um as well as anybody else who you know was able to and would visit we'd you know sprinkle them in as well but there were two visiting slots two times a week and we visited every single week when he got sent up to prison um, you know, he's six hours north of me here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's eight hours north of my mom and his wife and my sister and brother and everybody else out in the desert. Uh, so it is significantly harder to visit. It's just a huge, you know, financial burden ultimately, you know, between, you know, either you drive up after work late at night on Friday um, or you fly, which is a lot better, you know, as far as the turnaround at the end of the weekend 
uh, but it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Then you got to get the rental car. Then you got to get the hotel. Everything adds up. So since they've been in prison, we take turns and we all try to go once a month. Um, at least my mom, his wife and I, you know, switch off between um, visiting. Um, and then anybody else who, you know, comes out like um, Robert and Christian's best friend, Sam, Sam Kerr, who was on the podcast. Yeah. He and his wife, Trish, came out from Texas recently um, to visit the boys. Uh, so anybody who's, or, you know, who's around and wants to visit, we sprinkle them in. But at the very least, me, my mom and his wife, you know, um, try to visit once a month each. And we try to spread it out so that he's, you know, the boys are getting more visits. But if, uh, you know, if we can't, if we double up, the nice thing is we get to bring both Robert and Christian out. So one person can take out one inmate. Um, so we, okay. if there's more than one of us going, um, then we, uh, we pull out both the boys, which is always great. Cause then it's, it's just like a fun group hang. Yeah. I mean, it's in prison, but it's like the best time we get, you know, in person visiting is the best. Well, and it, um, it it seems like one thing that California has that, you know, I worked a lot of cases down in Texas and the visitation that you guys have, it seems to be so much better in California. You know, in, in Texas, it's you're behind glass of a direct family member can have an in-person visit, but it's just like in a, you know, in a room, like what you see on TV, almost like a big, a, a big room with a bunch of people sitting at a table. Um, but it seems like everybody, like whenever you guys go visit and you and you certainly could never pull out two people at once to come hang out like Robert and Christian do. Um, visitations are, are a little trickier down in Texas, but it seems like it seems like you guys are able to go visit often and like actually spend time together. I know when I, I, I spoke with B and uh, Andrew mom before that, you have um, well, it's it's I think what 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 people think of is like what a conjugal visit is. But but there you guys have like family visits where you can mm-hmm. go like go stay in like like you and your mom or B and whoever can go like spend a weekend in like a little, you know, like a little mobile home with them for a weekend and kind of have like a semblance of kind of a normal life for a few days. Yeah, that that is the best visiting that we get the family visits. Um, So it's 48 hours, basically. um, And they lock you in a little two bedroom apartment on the prison grounds. Um, for 48 hours and you know they do checks all the time mm-hmm. um but ultimately you're you're just locked in there for 48 hours and it's the most normal time we have had you know since since the boys were arrested um you get to just sit and you get to cook a meal together mm-hmm. i don't even like cooking <laughs> that's something you take for granted yeah <laughs> getting to cook a meal together and then just sit down and eat real food not vending machine snacks, which is what we get in the normal visits, which don't get me wrong. I'm happy for anything we can get, but getting to sit and eat a real meal together, watch a movie together, play video games. They've got, you know, so that the apartments are outfitted with, you get to request, you know, five movies or up to seven movies, I think, um, for your visit. And then whatever, you know, there's only so many people that can have family visits at once because there's only a limited number of these apartments. So mm-hmm. you have to apply for this months in advance. Um, you have to put in an order for food ahead of time. Somebody does grocery shopping and then brings those groceries in so that you've got that food to cook with. Um, and then, yeah, you basically just hang out. You cook, you eat, you watch movies. Um, there's a tiny little yard. So like when Z goes to visit Christian, uh, Christian's daughter's she goes to visit you know there's like room to play mm-hmm. um it's obviously very small and limited but oh my gosh 
what an amazing op- opportunity to get to spend that time, that time that we haven't gotten for so many years. So yeah, yeah. the family visits are the best and it's immediate family only. Um, so, you know, not everybody can go like my husband can't go as much as he wants to. The boys really want to just sit and play video games together, but he can't go because he's not immediate family. So basically it's um, generally visiting. It's B, Robert's wife. Um, and then every other visit, my mom and I will join them. So it'll be my mom and B and I, all three of us go to visit. Uh-huh. Um, it's the best. It's the best. I, I the first time we we got to do it, I was blown away by how amazing it was. You know, when you're so used to having almost nothing, yeah, <laughs> everything's a big deal. But I will say, Solano Prison puts in some effort to make it nice, you know, nice for us. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's obviously prison is prison, but it, it's nice that you guys have those opportunities. I always get either from you or B or from Kathleen or Jana Christian's mom, or like anytime after like one of those weekends to come back, like the, like the, the photo dumps and the, te- everybody's just really on a high every time you guys leave from being able to do that. So I'm glad you guys get to do that. I want, I want to ask you one question that I have to ask you before we move on to um, kind of your experience through the trial. When, when all of this came up, you living with, you know, I mean, he's your brother, you know him better than most. Was there, is it, was there ever a time where you thought that Robert could have done this? No, no, not Robert or Christian. That's just not the people they are. Um, it's just not the people they are. Even without all the evidence, just knowing them, you know, um, Prior to the podcast coming out, the people that supported Robert and Christian were the people that know them, mm-hmm. family, friends, co-workers, you know, owners of the company, clients, clients, yeah. anybody who knows them knows that this is a ridiculous accusation, you know, anybody who knew them, those are the people supporting them. Um, I'll wait to talk about, you know since the podcast, you yeah. know, how it's expanded, but the people that know them just know that's not, that's not them. Yeah. And, and I was surprised even seeing, we covered it on the podcast, like even Robert's ex-wife on the stand at trial had the same. And, and that to me was one of the most impactful things. Certainly there's people listening to this, like, well, of course she would say that that's his sister, Yeah, it, which, which that's just, you know, a burden you have when you're the family member, but like reading the trial transcripts of his ex-wife, who just says like, there's no way he's not capable of this. This is not, he doesn't have violence in him anywhere. And I think that, you know, kind of the other side of the, 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 the folks that really think that they are guilty really like to lean into you know, like the, the, the pictures of like Robert and Christian with, with guns and all this stuff they had and kind of equate that with, with violence. I mean, do you, I, I guess it's, it's kind of a weird question to ask, and I don't even know what the, what the right. But but have you like how do you, how do you separate those things? Do you see like Robert? Robert obviously was a collector of guns and a shooter, um, and a lot of people again equate that to him being a violent person. How do you see that? Um, no, I I think well, a I think a prime example are like you or Zach. Yeah. <laughs> not violent people, but you have a, you know, you, you it's a sport, mm-hmm. it's a skill, you know what I mean? Um, 
whether it's target practice or hunting, you know, um, but uh, no, you know, my whole family likes to go shooting. Mm -hmm. It's not just Robert, you know, Thanksgiving for the longest time, my background picture was us at Thanksgiving and it was just a whole line of us all, you know, out in the desert shooting together. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that's what we did for Thanksgiving. You know, we, it's a skill and, and Robert of all people is, he is a safety nut about it. He's the one who taught me how to safely, you know, shoot a gun, you know, how you hold it. You don't put your finger on the trigger, all those things. Um, you know, it's all about safety and, and following the rules because they are dangerous, you know, tools, but no, I don't think that has to do with them being violent just because they like to shoot guns. I like to shoot guns. Yeah. I, I'm not, I wouldn't, I don't consider myself violent. This was a this is a great season to have Zach in the room with us too because anybody who's watched any of our Friday follow ups or listened to any of our Friday know that Zach is the biggest teddy bear on the planet, and and to put it mildly, Robert's gun collection isn't shit compared to Zach's. Oh yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. But that's exactly it. And and you listen to Zach talk and he's just a sweet guy. And I only know him minimally from, you know, from what I've heard on the podcast. And he just seems like such a sweetheart. But the gun collection he's got, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't think that I don't think that's a direct correlation. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Let's let's move on now to you were um it, it seems like from talking to anybody I think you sat through more of the trial. I, it, most of the family sat through just about every day of the trial. Uh you told me that you had you had to miss one day cuz you were sick. Um other than that, you sat through the entire trial from beginning to end and including the pre-trial stuff. So, can you kind of walk us through that experience? However, you if you want to go, you know, point by the things you saw at the trial or just how the experience was for you seeing and hearing the way the prosecution was presenting the case, the defense was presenting the case, however however you want to describe it. But talk about your experience going through that process. Yeah, that was surreal, I guess, is probably it, it's just something it's very it's a it's an odd sit- situation to um show up every day and know that they're going after your family member, your loved one, you know, somebody that you've protected throughout your life, but also that they've protected you, you know, um, he is my little brother, but you know, he's my protector too. Mm -hmm. Um, so to just sit, sit there and listen to them badmouth him. That's just not fun. That is not a pleasant experience. And there's nothing you can say. You can't say anything. You Mm -hmm. can't argue it. You just have to sit there quietly and take it. Yeah. That's hard. I'm not good at sitting quietly and taking things. <laughs> yeah. It is not a 
not an easy thing to do, especially for somebody that you're that close with, that you believe in that much that you know for a fact is innocent, you know. Um, also showing up every day and there being media there and you're thinking, okay, I need to represent Robert Christian well because we're here on their behalf. So it's a, it's nerve-wracking just being there and being in front of people that you know are there. You know, there's the victim's families um, that you feel terrible for and you just want to give your condolences, but you can't even say anything to them because Mm -hmm. how is that going to be perceived? You know, like don't make eye contact, don't talk to them because how is it going to look to other people? How's it going to look to them? How's it going to look to the media? You know, everything you do is you feel like it's being scrutinized. And and I I think it was, you know, Mm -hmm. but so you're trying to ride this line and figure out how to act even just when you're getting lunch, you know, on break during, you know, during trial. Um, and then of course the jurors that adds another element where don't make eye contact with the jurors, but you know, Riverside is small. So you stop to go have lunch and you may end up at the same place as jurors. So then it's like, okay, sit on the opposite side. Don't look at them. You don't want anybody to think that you're trying to be nice to them. Cause then they might think that you're trying to get them on your side. Like yeah. everything it's a, it's really weird. It's a weird environment. And then of course there's, you know, like I said, the people just straight up lying about people that you love and and that's really difficult um every day driving in you know so none of us live in riverside and that's where trial took place so there's you know the family coming in from palm springs the family coming in from los angeles so it's an hour either way without traffic for all of us you know coming from our different directions um and on the way in you're just like okay what's going to happen today is there going to be somebody on the stand that's going to say something, you know, where you feel like, oh, finally, someone's telling our side? Um, or are you just going to have to sit through more lies? It's 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 a really terrible process yeah. <laughs> to experience. Um, and then on the way home, whoever you're driving with or if you didn't drive in with somebody, you're on the phone and you're rehashing everything that happened. You know, um, it, it's. It's really interesting. I, I have a notebook filled with detailed notes um, about every witness that took the stand, the stuff they said. Um, it, it was. Yeah, I don't recommend it to people. It's not great. No, I'm sure not. Having to go to trial. Um, uh, facing the prosecution, you know, like one morning we were outside the the attorneys were in speaking with the judge, but a key, the main DA was locked out of the room. Like he had just showed up after everybody and the doors were locked. And so he came and just like sat, sat down on the chairs in front of us. And it was just all of our family, you know, uh, Christian's family and our family sitting there and he's just sitting across from us. And, um, he, he started talking, I think just nervously talking. And he said, you know, I mean, you know, we're all in here for the, you know, for the same reason to find the truth, you know, and, and like, he just was, he was just nervous talking. And we all just kind of looked at him like, we're not all here for the same reason. We're here to find the truth. And the prosecution had enough evidence to know that these guys are not guilty, you know, and yet they were still going at him that hard. We're not all here for the same reason. We're here to find the truth. 
they're there to get a conviction. Anyway, coming face to face with him and him just talking about how like, I mean, it's cool, right? Yeah, that was extremely unpleasant. Um, I don't think a single one of us said a word. We just looked at him. I can't even imagine sitting there through that. It was very awkward. Trial was a very odd experience. And, you know, but going through it at the end, we expected a very different outcome. You know, we thought we just need to make it through this and then we're bringing him home. You know, that's Mm -hmm. that's the end game here. We're bringing him home. Did you feel confident throughout the trial that this wasn't enough and that they were going to come home? Yes, absolutely. You know, it's hard because we were, you know, our hands were tied with so many things. Yes. So, um, you know, there were times where the judge is shopping for wine online and, you know, you can see his computer screen, but the attorney said, no, you know, we think this is going well. Let's not rock the boat. So we're sitting there and we're seeing some things, jurors falling asleep, judge shopping while, you know, witnesses are on the stand, that kind of thing. And it's like, well, this isn't good. We should say something. But then you think, well, no, if this is going our way, are are we really going to start this whole thing over? Mm -hmm. You know, and the attorneys felt like, no, we're we're making our points. You know, let's just just trust us. We're going to go with this. And um, we trusted that that was the case. You know, I did feel like the attorneys were making good points. It's not that they weren't. I, I think the overall, the vast majority of the evidence was really confusing when you consider the cell phone records. Um, and, and I mean, the cell phone records, let's be honest, is a huge, 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 huge part of that. Um, I think they threw so much out there. I mean, they had a guy, they flew a guy out from Quantico to testify to the fact that a pair of shoe prints in sand that had the words Vans written in them were, in fact, Vans shoes. They flew someone out from Guanaco to testify to that? Yeah. Like, they were just putting everything out there. The The fact that they were Vans had nothing to do with anything. I've got, like, four pairs of Vans in my closet right now. I still, to this day, wear Vans almost every day of my Me life. Me too. A <laughs> lot of people do, yeah. right? So, so to have somebody fly out to testify that these shoes are Vans shoes and then put up a picture of a pair of Vans shoes that they found at our house a year later, not with the same bottoms, mind you, you know, most fans don't say Vans in the bottoms. The fact that that, that pair did was kind of very unique in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, but anyway, to testify to the fact that, oh, there were Vans shoes found at our house. And this guy flew out from Quantico to testify that there were Vans shoe prints at the crime scene. Like they were just throwing stuff out there. That didn't feel like we really needed to speak to it that much. They didn't even check the size. You know, when we asked like, well, did you, did you check the shoe size, you know, to the, to the expert who had flown out from Quantico, did you check the shoe size? And he said, well, no, they didn't ask me to. And they're like, they didn't ask you to. And he said, well, yeah, you know, they'd have to buy like three pairs of shoes or something, you know, so that you have a variety of sizes to, to use. And I was thinking they didn't ask you to check the size. Because you might have had to buy three different pairs of vans in order to do this test. Was the outcome not worth it to find out if the shoe size was correct? You know, yeah. like it didn't, it seemed kind of obvious to me and to a lot of us, like they were putting a lot of stuff up there, but none of it was necessarily anything, you know? Yeah. And to be clear, because we didn't really cover that too much. I've mentioned it, but like he came out and said that, yes, they were van shoes, prints. 
and yes. it, and Robert owned a pair of Van shoes a year later. It was also came out very clearly that the shoes Robert owned absolutely did not make that print. No, very much not. It was a different very pattern. Very much not. Yeah. Yeah, it was the whole thing was rather odd. But I mean, that was just one of the things, you know. Um, so we thought we were doing well in trial. And yet, you know, it's the whole lead up, you know, the couple of months and then the extremely long jury deliberation. Mm-hmm. Every day we come in and we just sit there and just wait for an answer. Oh, my gosh. That's that was for two that weeks was rough. that was going on. Yeah. And and people kept saying, oh, they never, you know, like this is very unheard of. Like if if they take this long, then it's a hung jury. Like there's no way mm-hmm. they're not agreeing. Otherwise, they wouldn't be taking this long, you know. Um, so even that was kind of reassuring. Um, yet it was really interesting before they read the verdict. I, you know, they said, OK, it's time. They've got a verdict. And we all were like, oh, my gosh. OK. You know, the, this two months have been leading up to this. And all of a sudden I start to like panic. I think it's the closest thing I've ever experienced to like a panic attack. And I went in the bathroom and I started like hyperventilating. And again, I'm not really sure why, because I thought, um, I thought there was no way they could convict them. Um, I didn't think there was any way they could convict them. So I don't know what about it just freaked me out um, <clears throat> but i i just was yeah in the bathroom like kind of hyperventilating like I, I didn't know i don't know it's like it all just came to a head you know but then i you know pulled it together with the help of my family <laughs> um and we walked back in there and again expecting a not guilty verdict uh, getting the guilty verdict was like that was the hardest thing I think that we've ever experienced. I mean, me, my entire family, you know what I mean? Christian's family. This, it's not fair. And it, none of it was right, you know? Um, <clears throat> but who do you even say that to? There's nobody to say that to. <laughs> right. Even the media is portraying this inaccurate picture of the guys inaccurate picture of the evidence um there's nobody to tell that to who do you even talk to about this so you talk to your family and friends but you know you're just in your own little echo chamber because they already know the truth we had nothing and and up until you came along and finally gave us a voice yeah it was it was terrible it was terrible and we had the amount of people that were you know scott was at work that day my husband scott he couldn't be at trial that day so he was at work but he was list he was there was um one of the local reporters was tweeting live um all the updates and so people were following along everybody's yeah. following along my coworkers in my office they were all following along they had bottles of champagne i mean everybody had been following this trial the whole time and we all thought there's no way there's no way there's going to be a guilty verdict like they just didn't prove anything you know I, I realized we had a hard time proving their innocence because they waited too long for us to do anything with alibis you know they tied our hands on that front as well 
how do you prove somebody wasn't someplace when all the evidence for it is already gone because nobody did the investigation to begin with, you know? So, so yes, you know, in trial, we may not have proven that they for sure weren't there because how do you even do that? Well, now that we have the sector data, it's a little bit of a different story, but at the time, you know, how do you prove they're not there? Um, But there's no way the prosecution proved that they were. And again, you know, reasonable doubt, you know, what it's supposed to be, what a jury's supposed to be um, basing their decision on. We thought there's no way. Everybody at home, everybody who's there in the courtroom that day, we were all just dumbfounded by the results. Yeah, I still have a bottle of champagne that all my coworkers signed congratulating us on finally, you know, getting justice. Um, I have it in my cupboard and I'm saving it for when Robert comes home. Um, But I mean, that's where everybody was at. We were sure they were coming home. There was no question. Over a year and a half ago, I reached out to you guys and we had our big Zoom meeting and I told you that I wanted to investigate and cover the story on the podcast. Um, met with the whole, both families, everybody was involved in the, in the meeting and, uh, and then you all discussed before I heard back. What were, what were the feelings before we, we started the show after that meeting? So we had uh done a an episode of 48 hours prior to that they had asked us to speak this was after the boys got released the first time um and you know at that point we thought that our um we thought our nightmare was over they had been released you know oh my gosh that day was the most phenomenal day but um so at that point we agreed to speak to 48 hours like sure we'll tell you know about what happened um and they played very little of what we had to say our attorney and you know not that i had anything amazing to contribute um but but even what our attorney had to contribute they played very little of um and they leaned heavily on the victim's family crying and stuff which you know i get but they kind of leaned so heavily on that emotional side that they really kind of failed to really discuss the facts mm-hmm. of the case. Um, so we felt very burned by that ultimately. Um, and that, you know, that was had to have been late 2014, early t- 2015 or something that we did, did that. Um, so you reaching out after we've now gone through them getting arrested a second time, leading up to the trial, the trial, everything else, you or anybody, and there were a lot of people that, to be perfectly honest, um, asking to feature our case was like, yeah, right. That sounds like a terrible idea. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've done that and it, it was not good, you know, but because you had proposed not an episode, but a season that, that was, that was was like well okay 
okay, he's going to do a season. That means he's actually going to take the time and go through everything. You know, that's what all the other people who had asked, whether it was 48 hours or, you know, um, everybody since then that had asked us about doing doing our um, case, they wanted to do an episode. There's just no way to cover it. I mean, I think you've made it very clear. There's no way to cover it. Right. It's been over a year. Is this the longest season you've had? I think it is. I think our season six was pretty close to this, but I think that we have exceeded <laughs> that with uh, with this case. Yeah. So, I mean, y- you have you have some idea. Yeah. How would you possibly explain this case in in one episode? I mean, actually, you did a fantastic job. Hour and forty minutes nailed the uh, that episode, which mm-hmm. I will continue to utilize and send out to everybody yeah. um, that wants to know about our case. Um, but you did it because you spent over a year investigating the case mm-hmm. so that you could put that together. Nobody else was going to do that. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, when you initially asked, it was like, okay, well, the last one was a bad idea. This one's probably a bad idea, except he's willing to actually take the time. Um, and everybody discussed. Also, I just want to say, when I say my family, it's my family, Christian's family. We're all one family. Right. Um, we, you know, we all then collectively discussed like we weren't going to do it if everybody wasn't on board and we decided you know what we need to get our voice out there we have been silent for years at this point because we had been told we should be Mm -hmm. you know our attorneys initially said get off social media don't um you shouldn't be on social media because reporters will hunt you down through social media then they won't necessarily reach out to you they'll reach out to the people that you're friends with Mm-hmm. on social media. Those people could be any number of acquaintances. I mean, how many people are we all friends with on social media that we don't necessarily know super well? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that people don't want to be the person that the media is talking to. So basically our attorneys were like, yeah, get off social media altogether. It's it's just bad for you, you know? So spent so many years not talking, not putting it out there to anybody ex- outside of our family and friends, you know? Um so all of a sudden, you know, we were we were ready to talk, ready to to let the full story be told, not what the local media was posting, you know, not what the DA, DA's office was saying, but like the actual story. Um, and honestly, I think it's one of the best decisions we've made um, regarding this case is, you know, letting you feature our case. I mean, I guess you could have done it anyway, but I'm sure without info from the family it's a lot harder Mm -hmm. um so it's not like it was our choice whether you did it or not but i'm so glad that we agreed to speak to you about it and to be involved in any way you needed us to because it's the first time we've had a voice it's the first time that we've had a voice so with our podcast comes not only you know the story being told on the on the podcast but we're uh revealing things that we find during the investigation, which we'll get into in a minute. But there's there's another element that comes with it, and that's the people, the Truth and Justice Army. How has their involvement had an effect on you and the family? I am in awe of the Truth and Justice Army. I am... I can't put into words how incredibly thankful we are for the for the Truth and Justice Army. I mean... The things that that everybody has been willing to do, and there's no way I can accurately list off all of the amazing things, but I mean, the um, the woman who cross-referenced 
every phone call with mm-hmm. what everybody said they were doing at any given day and time. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the amount of time and effort to put into that. And also to have a brain that works in a way that can do that. That's also fascinating yeah. um, because a mind does not work that way. Um, you know, the, the, the guy who used to work for the cell phone company who called you and spent his day explaining to you how a cell phone record, you know, how do you read it and all the details mm-hmm. on that. Um, the people who have listened over and over and over to these episodes, in, including the horrendous audio on some of these interviews with the with the detectives. I mean, it's painful to listen to some of these just because the audio is so bad. Mm-hmm. Not to mention yelling at, you know, at the um, speakers because of the questions they're asking, the detectives are asking or the questions they're not asking and just how ridiculous some of it is. Um, To listen to those over and over and over again, to just see if they can get any tiny little piece of nugget that might have been missed. And, And they have. Oh, my gosh. Have you all found the most amazing things that we ourselves missed? I mean, from the verbiage Robert used when describing what he had heard about the crime scene and how that wasn't guilty knowledge, those things, we had heard that many times, never occurred to any of us that like, oh my gosh, you're right. He didn't say it like somebody who had been there then, you know at the murders, he said it like somebody who who was at the crime scene after the fact. Like those things that people have uncovered, it's truly amazing. I I am amazed by the audience and everything that they have done for us. The time and energy spent, the money spent, I mean, transcribing the episodes, the podcast, so that they can then print and mail them to the boys so that they can follow along to the podcast. I am in awe of all of the audience members. They have become our family. You know, they're fighting for our boys the way our family's fighting for our boys. I, I and and without you finding us, Bob, that wouldn't be possible. You're our hero. Bob, you are our hero, as are every one of those audience members out there who came into this with an open mind, who who didn't um, just take what the media was saying or what a conviction says in itself, you know, came into it with an open mind to hear the facts and make their own decision. I I cannot put into words how thankful we are for every person out there. I can't put it into words. It's it's amazing. It's more than we could have possibly even hoped for. That's um, <clears throat> That's really good for me to hear. Because <clears throat> I thought you would be the one that would be more emotional than me. <laughs> <laughs> but this is hard for me. And, you know, coming to the end of the the conclusion of the season and stuff. Because me and the audience, all of us have this. Like, we want to do more. The, there, are, there are so many tens of thousands of people that are listening to this that. That that aren't here for some ulterior motive, and they're not here to push some agenda. That genuinely just want to make a difference. That want to help. That want to find the truth. That want to find justice. And that's why you know we're doing it. Um, and so it never seems like enough. 
I'm hugging you, Bob. I'm hugging you. It, um, it's funny when you, you know, when you said you're wrapping up the, ep- the season, my heart sank. Um, I, <clears throat> having so many years where the only people supporting us were the people we knew personally, you know, and all the comments on the news stories out there were really horrendous, just absolutely the stuff that people will say from their computer, you know, t- typing in a, a little response from their the, the safety of their own home, where they're not actually face to face with anybody that they're talking about, and they don't know anybody, and there's no repercussions for bad mouthing anybody, you know. Yeah. Um, there's been some really terrible, terrible things that people have said. Um, and again, we just had to kind of sit and take it. Don't read the comments. That's really all you can do just don't read the comments there's nothing you can do about it their reputations are being just dragged through the mud and there's nothing nothing we can do about it um and then you came along and and the audience members and everybody in janet and zach and all of a sudden we've got this amazing group of people fighting with us you know alongside us um trying to find the truth when you said that um the season was going to wrap up all i could think was oh no (laughs) sorry um i don't want to go back to being alone in our fight you know (laughs) but i know that's not the case i i know I know that's not the case, and I know that we need to make room for you to find justice for other people, because it's not just us. There are so many people out there doing, going through this same process, you know, and it's terrible. It's terrible all the time, and you just re- keep readjusting to the new normal. What's the new normal now, you know? Uh, the new normal now is we go to prison once a month, and that whole process, you know, everything that goes into that, you know, everything it's just throughout this it shifts and we just adjust with it because there's no other options um but i know that we won't be alone i know that the audience out there is fighting for us even after the podcast ends and i'm so thankful for you and i'm so thankful that somebody else is now going to get the benefit of of you bob and of your team the whole audience out there it's it really is amazing and and it's just more than we could have possibly imagined and and all the other innocent people out there deserve the same so i'm so glad you're doing it but it was a little bit hard for me to wrap my head around at first (laughs) and i'm sure you've heard as i just had my little breakdown a minute ago it's 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 equally as difficult for me because i don't you know i'm i'm so attached to to this case and desperately wanting the truth to come out here um but I can promise you, you'll never be alone again. I know. I know.
Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. And all of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Fiola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at truthjusticepod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at Bob Ruff Truth. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice.